Tell your neighbor, say, this message, this message is, not about is not about the other people, the other people you, know you know who are stubborn. Who are stubborn. Say, this message, this message is, all is all about you. About you. Amen. Amen. Come on and give the Amen. Lord a hand clap of Amen. praise. You may be seated. How was that? That's it was a, a lot, was wasn't a lot. it? That was a lot. Uh, that was a lot. Amen. Uh-huh. I was trying to give you like, you know, like a Beyonce kind of opening, you know? It was close. Uh -huh. it was All close. right. We're going to get some lights up in here. <laughs> and some wind. And some wind. Where's the fan? We need a fan so we have some wind. I don't know what it's going to blow. I don't but know, but. <laughs> so we want to teach about the spirit, uh, uprooting the spirit of stubbornness. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, before, as we get started, uh, you know, this morning when we came in the building, and the Bible says you can look at something natural and you can glean spiritual things from it. And so this morning when we came in the building, for whatever reason, these sets of lights over here were acting up. And, uh, and if you know anything about these lights, these are these gas lights. So when you cut them on, it takes them a little bit to come on. And then when you cut them off, you have to wait like 10 minutes before you can cut them back on. And so when I, fir when I first cut them on, uh, and we had just one row on because we try to keep a little cooler in here uh, for you. And so about 9, 10, 9, 20, we cut those lights on. And the two bulbs in the back, uh, the one in the back and the one in the front came on, but the middle one didn't. So we cut them off and we waited and we cut them on again. And then only the middle one came on. The two, in the, the one in the front and one in the back didn't come on. And so we waited and we cut them on again and didn't nothing come on. Uh, so we cut them off, we cut them on again. And finally about 9.45, 9.50, that first one came on and the back one came on. And I just had kind of resigned myself to the fact that that middle one just wasn't going to come on today. And I was going back and forth. I was talking to Brian, talking to Erica, talking to Misty. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. It won't come on. And, and finally, Misty said, you know, it's bright enough in here anyway. It's going to be fine. And I said, you know what? Fine. It's going to be fine. But in the back of my mind, you know me. If you know anything about me, that was going to bother me all service. That one light bulb not being on was just going to throw me off. And I just said, okay, Lord, help me to get over it. I came up here and I did the little introduction. Chandra came, she prayed, the praise team sang. And in the midst of all of that happening, do you know that old stubborn light bulb came on? Now, now, now think about this. You can look at something natural and you can glean a spiritual principle. So whenever you see stubbornness in your life, you just need to bathe it in the anointing of the Lord. Because you start to pray, you start to sing, and all of that stubbornness will move out of your life, and you will shine as bright as that bulb is shining in your life. And so when I saw that this morning, I thought, you know what? That's, that's a wonderful example of what we need to do whenever we encounter stubbornness. We just need to bathe it in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Oh, and since this passes appreciation. Let me just say this. Who in here has Facebook? You got faith? Don't, don't be like, well, I ain't on it but once a week. That ain't what I ask. I ask, who has it? Raise your hand. Nice and high. If you got it. All right. For the last several weeks, we have had about 30 people on Tuesday night to join the prayer line. This week, if you honor me, I want it to be 50 people on there. All want your money. All want no gifts. I, I, I don't need all that. But this Tuesday... If you have to set your alarm at, what is it, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock p.m. I Mine is set for 7, so a reminder. But at 8 o'clock, set yours for 7.50 if you need to. If you have Facebook, get in the group and get on. 
Even if you are a husband and a wife, Pastor Sean and I are both on. Sometimes it's just one sound on, but we both, I want to see the number hit 50. Amen. Can we do that? Yes. If you do that, that'll be almost like getting me my Panamera Porsche. Almost. <laughs> all, not quite, but almost <laughs> like y'all bought me a Panamera Porsche. All right? All right. God bless y'all. So 50, right? What Tuesday night? All right. Y'all said it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need you guys to help us out. There are some people coming in who still are taking for a seat. Praise the Lord. So if you have an open seat beside you, would you lift your hands Amen. so they Praise can sit the, the people? If you can scoot in to make it, it looks like it's four of them so they can be together. If you can scoot in, if you have that kind of seats beside you, do that, man. This is good. I love y'all. Hey, y'all all right with here me? Here we grow again. Here we grow again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about uprooting the spirit of stubbornness. Amen. Uprooting the spirit of stubbornness. Here's a quote we want to give you. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's none so blind as those who will not listen. Say that again. You there is again. none so blind <laughs> as those who will not listen. Mm -hmm. All right? It's so important because, that, you know, when you think about this, so many times people literally are asking for help. You're telling them what to do, but because it's not what they had already decided they wanted to do, then they don't listen to the instructions. That's right. And literally, you become blinded by the fact that you can't listen. Mm -hmm. And I know that seems like an oxymoron because we're talking about two different senses, but literally, you can't see your way out of situations because you refuse to listen to those who give instruction to you. And that is, in, that is in essence, the spirit of stubbornness. So this morning, when we begin to talk about stubbornness, we just want to take a moment to define it for you so that when we, when we talk about it, we don't talk about it in the sense of stubbornness being this idea that I just don't want to do something. It's much deeper than just not wanting to do something. It actually is a spiritual thing that gets assigned to people to cause them to self-sabotage their own life. Mm -hmm. And so stubbornness uh, is defined as this, as having or showing persistent determination now typically when we talk about persistent determination that's a good thing but it says having a persistent determination not to change your behavior your attitude or position on something especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so in other words stubbornness says that even if you yourself know that what you're doing you should stop doing because you are so entrenched in doing it that particular way, you do it even though you're going to fail while you're doing it. Stubbornness says that I don't, I don't rationalize that if I change, I could get a different result. Now, we all know the classic definition of insanity, right? The classic definition of insanity is what? To do the same thing over and over again. What? Expecting to get a different result. But yet that is exactly what stubbornness produces. Amen. It produces insanity in the minds of the person who is stubborn. Amen. How many of you can honestly admit that you've seen that in yourself? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because the first step to freedom is being able to tell the truth. All programs require you to be able to admit that you bound before you can get free. Absolutely. So you got to be able to say, man, this is the kind of person I am, right? Um, stubbornness is a tendency to resist any form, of change. any form of change. So those of you who like to brag about the fact that you don't like change, what it means is that you're stubborn. Mm. 
You know, it's like people who are like our age who like, I'm never going to be a part of social media. We're, we're never going back to mailing pictures in the mail again. That season is over. We're not doing that anymore, right? So what you do is you miss out on life mm -hmm. because you're waiting on 1984 to come back. It's not coming back. Don't be a person who is resistant to change, especially when that change is beneficial to you. And the thing is, is that people will be resistant to change even when they know what they're doing is wrong, or at least when they know it's not working for them. You know, we, you think about people who, who go on, and, and all of us can, can, can attest to this, you try some new diet, some new workout, something new, whatever it is in your life, and, and, and you, you can actually see the results starting to work for you. But because you don't like doing it, you stop doing it. It's stubborn to stop doing what's working for you simply because you don't like it. And so many times in people's that's lives, good. that's exactly what we do. It doesn't matter that we're getting the results. We don't want to do it that way. So we become entrenched in doing it our way. And sometimes we try to prove to ourselves that we can do it a certain way. Like somebody say, hey, if you want to lose weight, here's what you got to do. You got to eat less calories. And you're like, I bet I can keep eating the same calories and still lose weight. Now, ain't that dumb? Because you're so entrenched that, if, that you got so much control, that you got so much ability, that it don't matter that 70 other people did it that way and were successful. You're going to prove to somebody that you can be the one person, the one oddball who has to do it a different way. And then it doesn't work for you. And then you blame God. That's what stubbornness looks like. Amen. Think about this. It is it, it, it means you have a resoluteness to your own ideas yes. and desires, even when you know they're wrong. Yes. This comes up a lot in dating people like you have people in your life who legitimately love you. They really do love you. Right. Everybody has said, don't date her. Everybody who loves you, like, don't date her. This is bad. Right. But stubbornness kicks in and you're now going to prove. You're going to prove that everybody is wrong. So even when they do the first crazy stuff to you, you can't admit it because you already trying to prove to all of us what we, that we wrong about what we already know. Yep. Yep. That is what stubbornness looks like. You know what stubborn what else stubbornness looks like? It looks like coming to ask for advice and then doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. Cause if you knew what? You do it. If you knew, you would do it. But the fact that you don't know, um, and I'll tell you one place that stubbornness really takes root in marriages. Yeah. Literally, if you're sitting in this church and your marriage is struggling, shame on you. Because your marriage is struggling because you are stubborn. Because nobody has been more transparent about the things we've had to walk through in order to get a successful marriage. So if your marriage is raggedy, and you end up divorced, it's because you were stubborn, not because she couldn't change, not because he couldn't change, not because it wasn't a better way, but because you were stubborn and unteachable, which is another word for rebellion, which is another word for witchcraft. So you might as well be a witch. Yep, 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 yep. You might as well be a yep. witch. Yep. Like all the way down, because the Bible says that stubbornness is as manipulation. Mm -hmm. Manipulation is as witchcraft. So if you are stubborn, which makes you a manipulator, all stubborn people are manipulators. Mm -hmm. If you stubborn, you a manipulator because you will maneuver anything you got to in order to get your outcome. So if your marriage is struggling and you haven't asked for help and you aren't consistently following the instructions, the root cause of it is that you are stubborn, not just your spouse. 
Because one of the lies that married right. people like to tell Come themselves is on. that it would be better if she was better. It would be better if you were better. Yeah. It would be better if both of y'all was better. And if you spent more time focusing on being better instead of what somebody else is doing wrong, you could get past that point. Literally, this this the Holy Ghost. Literally, some of you are walking through stuff for 15 years that you could have been done with. Mm. You could have been in the mm. testimony of this thing, but you won't obey God because every time they don't obey God, you sink your stubborn heels in and decide that because they won't, you won't, and that's why you're where you are. But some of you look real good on your pictures. Come on, man. You look cute on Come social on. media. Come on. You look Come on. real, real happy. Come on. But it's you perpetrating a fraud. That was free. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I, and I think one of the clearest points, and we've been transparent about the things that we've walked through and the things we've been through. One of the clearest determining factors that was a turnaround in our marriage, I remember specifically, is we made the de decision individually that we were going to do right regardless of what the other person did. Yep. Because, because here's, here's what stubbornness looks like sometimes. Stubbornness looks like this. You hear the Holy Spirit tell you to be quiet. While you're in the midst of an argument, you, you know it's God. God tells you to be quiet. And for a little while, you obey. And you don't say nothing. But then they say that one thing that push your button. And now because they said that one thing to push your button, ain't no way you're about to let this fly. And before you know it, you start at the mouth. You have just demonstrated stubbornness. Wait a minute, how, how was I stubborn? Because the Lord told you to be quiet. And when the Lord says be quiet, but you decide it's more advantageous for you to get out what you need to say, you have now rebuffed the Holy Spirit to say, you be quiet, I'm in control. And so many times in our lives, what we're doing is we are telling the Holy Spirit, hold on, I'm in control. I'm about to do what I'm about to do. And that is called stubborn and stiff neck. It is what got the children of Israel in trouble so many times. It's why they had to keep crying out to God, God, rescue me. And because God is so loving, guess what? He kept rescuing them. But guess what? Before they got rescued, they would get knocked upside the head. You don't have to live your life getting knocked upside the head. You don't have to live your life so that you have to go through every single thing imaginable before you reach up and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Now, the good thing about God is he's always going to be ready to grab you and snatch you out the pit, but you ain't got to keep going in the pit. Tell your neighbor, say, stay out the pit. Stay out the pit. You know that pit sucks. You know it does. You know it. You be in that pit and you like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here again. I can't believe I'm here again. You be like, Lord, because I don't want to just talk about married people. Single people do this. Absolutely. Single people do it. Lord, if you just don't let me be pregnant this month. God, if I could just not be pregnant this month. Lord, just this month. If you just let it come through this month. If you just don't let yeah. me be pregnant this yeah. month, I am never going to do it. And you do good for three days and then your cycle come and then you taking 2 a.m. texts again. That's stubborn. That's stubborn. All right. Okay. The Bible clearly teaches us that stubbornness is something that can be rejected. Tell your neighbor, say, stubbornness can be rejected. Stubbornness can be rejected. Say, just because, just because your mama was stubborn. Your mama was stubborn. Your daddy is stubborn. Your daddy is stubborn. And both sets of grandparents are stubborn. And both sets of grandparents are stubborn. Doesn't mean. It doesn't mean. I have to be stubborn. I have to be stubborn. Amen. And stubbornness is just, it's just opposition to authority. It just is opposition. You know, we talk about Jesus being our what? Lord and? But for most people, he's just Savior. Now think about that. We call him Lord and. But really, we just don't want to go to hell. 
But you live in hell. So, so, so what we say is, Lord, Lord, save me. Look, save me, Lord. But, but to be Lord means you submit your life to. See, see if, he, if he's really Lord over you. Jesus even asked the people one time. He said, why you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? You do what you want He said, do. you're stubborn. You're stiff-necked. You call me Lord, but when I say go left, it don't look good to you, so you go right. Yeah. And that's the same thing that's true in the life of so many believers. We call him Lord and Savior, but really we just act like he's Savior. And, we, and so you got to understand that stubbornness, what it does is it breathes in you this ability to not listen to authority. Let me help you. That's why some folk get fired. Can we just talk for just a practical matter? Preach. People, I never understand when people say, well, I don't like no boss telling me what to do. Boss! Boss! The word boss is indicative that there's a hierarchy. You're talking about you don't like your boss telling you what to do. Everybody is subject to somebody. And if you don't learn to rid stubbornness out of your life, the enemy will let stubbornness rise up in you at the opportune time so you can get fired from your job. Listen, even if you are an entrepreneur, okay, understand, Breach. you still work for somebody, a it's lot just of a bunch of somebodies. Because if you own a business and you got 30 clients, you got 30 different bosses, not just one. And if you're stubborn, if I'm paying you, now let me help you. Help the people. Because I'm the serious people about my money. If I'm paying you to lay my floor, and I say I want my floor laid in a herringbone pattern, and you say, well, that's not going to look good in there. And I say, well, that's okay. I still want to lay that way. And I come back and you done laid my floor in a straight pattern, we're going to have some problems. Why? Because who's in authority? The boss, the one who's paying. So the person who's laying the floor don't get to say, well, I don't like herringbone. I didn't ask you that. You don't get to tell God, I don't like to forgive. He didn't ask you that. He didn't ask you that. The problem is you think that when it comes to God, you actually have a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. When it comes to you and God, it ain't but one boss. And the sooner you get that, the better off you will be. The sooner you get that, the better off you will be. God is in control, not you. Every time you see yourself, you should just say, I repent. <laughs> yeah. You really should. You should just, you can make yourself pliable to God. You can make yourself pliable to God. You like part of, like, the reason some of you don't give it's because you stubborn and you stubborn because you selfish. But you can break that off of your life by just being a giver. And, 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 and we'll talk about this a little later. There's another reason why you don't give. And, I, and, I, and the Lord really had to help me with this. There are some people who don't do what the Lord said because they're stubborn, because they're selfish. There are other people who don't do it because you're fearful. And let me help you real quick how this works. Because you're fearful, you get into self-preservation. And because you get into self-preservation, whenever the Lord tells you something, if it doesn't align with what you have already decided is going to help you preserve yourself, you reject what he has to say. So when the Lord says, I'll bless you if you give, you're like, but if I give, I ain't going to have, so I'm going to go with my logic, not his. And so stubbornness That's isn't good. just a root of me trying to reject. It really comes from this idea that you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to govern yourself. You're trying to build a place around you so you're not hurt. And you figure if I build this wall around me and people can't hurt me, then I'll be fine. But the reality of it is you're stubborn and you can't hear God. Because when God says open the door, you're like, no, no, no. If I open the door, something's going to come in and hurt me. So I'm going to keep it closed. You think you're helping yourself, but you're really not. And so then what happens is you become this person who is so stubborn to the things of God, you think you're actually protecting yourself, but you're not. You're just putting yourself in a bad situation. 
Everybody who is stubborn is not stubborn just because they're selfish and they're evil and they're vile. Some of you have been through some stuff and you've learned the only way I can protect myself That's is good. to protect myself. But the problem is you were never designed to protect yourself. That's God's job. And if you don't let God do it, then you become subject to the best you can do for yourself. And let me help you. The Bible says this. You don't even know what evil lies up on the earth. So you don't even know what's coming your way. But God knows. So there are times that God is trying to get you to not be stubborn so that he can get you to move so that you can actually miss the trouble that's coming your way. So you just you, you got you got to learn. We used to say this to our kids all the time, and I hope they still remember. We used to say this to Taylor, to Chase, to Caleb, to Jordan, to Canaan. We say the Holy Spirit does what? Teach you things to, to keep, keep you, you safe. We used to say to them all the time. Why? Because we was training them to hear the Holy Spirit. If you're getting ready to go to a friend house, but the Holy Spirit say, don't go today. Learn to pause. Don't be stubborn and go anyway. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit. Why? He is the paraclete. He is the teacher. It is his job to keep you safe. But if you are stubborn, every time he tells you something that doesn't go along with your plan or your agenda, you will scratch it and do your own thing. Amen. 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 You preaching good. Second Chronicles 30 and 80 says, do not be stiff necked. Do Anytime not. you see stiff necked in the Bible, it refers to stubbornness. stubbornness. Yes. Do not be stiff necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will be turned away from you. There are consequences that come in your life when you're stubborn. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are like, I don't understand why I ended up here. And everybody looking at you knows why you ended up here. Because you're so determined to go your own way. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, say, you really don't know what's best. You really don't know what's best. You really don't know really what's don't. best. But God really does know mm -hmm. what's best for you. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. And the problem is, is that when, when we are stubborn concerning the things that Holy Spirit is instructing us to do, it's because we have either, one, consciously or two, unconsciously decided that above all else, we're going to make it work the way we said it was going to work. We're going to do it our way. You saw this with, you saw this with Abraham and Sarah. The Lord promises that he's going to give them a child, but because it doesn't happen in their own time frame, they devised their own plan for how to get their own child. How many times has God told you he was going to do something, but because it didn't happen fast enough for you, you decided that it was going to have to happen a certain way, and you went off on your own path trying to make it happen. That is actually stubbornness. Stub the Bible says that we ought to be patient and wait on the Lord. Many people are not patient, and that word patient doesn't mean just sitting around. It means they're not consistent. They're not consistent. See, it's, it's like when you, you go back to this again. It's like when you're trying to lose weight, right? You can't be mad because on the diet you, you didn't lose 30 pounds in a week. You didn't gain 30 pounds in a week. So if you were consistent in gaining it, then you got to be consistent in but most people don't, don't allow for that patience, that consistency to work in their life. And so then what they do is they get stubborn to the process. They go, well, it's got to be some other way. It's got to be something else. And then you hop off to something else, and then you, on, you spend your life going up and down and waiting, going, Lord, why can't I get the weight off? He said, because you're stiff-necked. Because you're stubborn. You don't listen. You don't follow through. You don't spend enough time being consistent. 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the education field by, by my trade. And one of the things that I do in education is we help school districts to, to improve their, their curriculum and instruction. And here's the thing that always infuriates me. They'll pay us $230,000 to do work for them. We'll go in and tell them exactly what to do. And instead of them doing exactly what we tell them to do, you know what they do? They do what we say, they do what they say, they do a little bit of something else and a little bit of something else. And when they get to the end, you know what they say? This didn't work. You didn't do it with fidelity. Some of you ain't seen God show up because you didn't follow his instructions with fidelity. He said stop having sex, not just have sex once a month. But you're like, well, I stop. I'm not having it 10 times anymore. It's just once. That's not what he said. you got to follow his instruction with fidelity. But stubbornness says, well, you know, i got to do a little something my own way. I got to do a little, little something my own way because when I do it my way, I feel good about it. And the problem is most people haven't learned to submit their life to God. And because you hadn't learned to submit your life to God, when God tells you something, it feels like he's angry at you. But God only tells you things to keep you, you safe. safe. Well, and I think that that's so important because one of the things we've learned as pastors is that if you don't submit to God, I know you're not going to submit to me. And we, we used to wrestle with people to try to get them to obey. We don't do that anymore. You wear us out doing that. The, the, Bible, the Bible literally says that you ought to be a person so that your pastor doesn't get wore out by having to, by having to minister to you. And so what we've decided to do in this, in this dispensation of our life, we're going to teach you the word. And if you want to remain stubborn, that's on you. But if you don't want to be stubborn, you will be just like that light bulb. You will inundate yourself with the word and you will start to shine before everybody who can see you. But you got to make a decision. We can't, listen, you ever seen, some of y'all maybe, maybe haven't, have you ever seen a donkey, a, a stubborn donkey? Listen, you can beat that donkey half to death. He ain't moving. He ain't going to move. He, he going to sit right there. And you know they got another name for donkeys. Well, you ought not be the other name. God shouldn't have to beat you over your head to get you to obey. As a parent, who raise your hand if you got kids in here. Just raise your hand real quick. Okay. What's easier? The kid who obey or the kid you gotta halfway beat to death to get them to comply? Now, now we can do either one. <laughs> However you like it. But it's much easier with the kid who is willing to listen and obey. It's a more enjoyable experience. Well, think about it. If it's an enjoyable experience for you to, 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 to parent children who are obedient, how much joy does God get out of parenting kids who are obedient? Same principle. No, I think that that's so important because I think about times like when we want to bless our kids for something and then they literally do something. So now we wanted to do this blessing and now we got to have a conversation about this dumb thing that they did that we told them not to do. It's like such a waste of time. Like we were on our way to do something fun, but no, now we got to be here while you clean the room or now because our kids are older, we're going to leave you here to clean your room and we're going to go ahead and do what we were going to do. You don't have to miss out on life being stubborn. Right. And I want you to understand that this thing that we talk about, we're not telling you to do something that we don't do. Oh, absolutely. When our marriage was jacked up, you guys met Pastor Cynthia when she came here. We, we still have this rule. Thank the Lord. We yep. don't need to use it a lot. We have a rule that if we have to call our spiritual parents about something, we do whatever they whatever say. Whatever they say. Because if we knew, 
We'd have did it. We'd have done it. That's right. So if we have to pick up the phone and get somebody else involved, we're already in agreement that we're going to do what they say. We're not too big for somebody else to tell us what Absolutely. to do. So you're not too big. You're not too big. Or too grown. Or too grown. For somebody to tell you what to do. For someone to tell you what to do. I remember several years ago, Edwin and I, um, we got into it, mm -hmm. um, if you can imagine that. Um, we got into it mm -hmm. at... Um, a basketball game, okay, right? Tay was playing, and, and we both pretty passionate, and we passionate about sports, and basically something happened, and both of us could have handled it better, right? The problem is, wait, wait, wait. You tell the story, go ahead. Okay, well, you keep your face in check while I tell the story, all right? Yeah. So anyway, we were in Dallas, and we got into it, we right? Did. And so I'm not a grudge holder. Like, I'm pretty much the type of person, once I tell you what I got to say, I'm over it. I'm like, let's move on, right? <laughs> Baby, we was driving back from Dallas. I said, are you hungry? Mm. <laughs> Yo, five hours. I ain't stopping to use the five bathroom or nothing. <laughs> ain't nobody, ain't nobody using the bathroom. We going home. <laughs> Like, so he's so salty, right? <laughs> we get home the next day, he still ain't talking. Nope. I'm like, it ain't even that big a deal. Yeah. What are we talking about? So I call my spiritual dad, yep. and I told him what happened. He said, tell me the whole story. I told him the whole story. He said, all right, tell Edwin to call me. He had Edwin call him. He, Edwin told him the whole story. He called me back. He said, tell me the whole story again. I told him the whole story. He said, let me think about it. The next day he called me. Nope. He said, I want you to apologize. I said, why? <laughs> I said, why? Why do you want me to apologize? And this is what he said to me. It changed my life. Yep. He said, because when you're telling the story, you're laughing. And when you're tell he's telling the story, he's still upset. It means way more to him than it means to you. Apologize. He said, I listen to you tell the story. You laughing and joking. You throwing in other stuff. When I listen to him tell the story, he is like, and this, he is still angry. Mm -hmm. He can still feel the rage. He says, so you need to apologize. Right. He said, this is not about who's <laughs> right or wrong. He said, this is about who it means the most to Huh. If some of you took that for your marriage, you could change your whole marriage, be on a honeymoon by January 1st. Praise and, the Lord. And, and you apologize. No way. Hold on. Easy. Hold on. I started crying. Yeah. <laughs> I was crying. I was, listen. I was not trying to apologize. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And then this is what he said at the end. He said, daughter, trust me. The first time I apologized, I said, babe, I just want to tell you that I apologize for how I acted in Dallas. He went, mm. <laughs> I text dad. I was like, it ain't working. <laughs> and it, let me apologize again and he don't get some humility about his life. <laughs> he like, I need you to follow my instruction. 
It was a while before we got to the root that those two different incidents mm -hmm. meant something totally, totally different. different to us. Sometimes you're in a place and those two things, just because you saw the same thing That's doesn't good. mean you perceive That's the right. same thing. Right. It doesn't mean you experience the same That's thing, right? And so when you, that, that's just a tip in not being stubborn. If you find out now, you know what that means. Listen, this is the truth. I can apologize so easily now. I don't even have to think I'm wrong. Did that hurt your feelings? Are you hurt? I apologize because I never want to hurt you. If I hurt you, I want you to know I meant to hurt you. I want to be like, I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm about to hurt you, okay? But if I don't say that and you get hurt, it's easy for me to apologize because I'm not stubborn in the area of apology. How many of you are stubborn in the area of apology? Yeah, yeah. You can just say, I repent. Yeah. I repent and start practicing apology. It's not about being right. It's about being in fellowship. And, 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 and for those of you who, were, who are like me, and I, and I tell everybody, I'm a, I'm a grudge holder in recovery. Amen. I, I, work, I, 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 I work on not being a grudge holder. I, I have to constantly work on it. But, but the reason is, is because those of you who, are, who have the tendency uh, to be grudge holders, what happens is stubbornness is really seeking to take control. Because you're not going to just be, you're not going to just hold a grudge in one area. It, it, it's, it's, it's like the Bible says that a little yeast put in the cake makes the whole cake rise. A little stubbornness in one area will translate into stubbornness in lots of other areas. And so I, I, it's, it's not advantageous for me to be a pastor and to be a grudge holder. Yeah. Amen. Because just like, I, just like I can hurt you, you can hurt me. And, and it's not good for you to hurt me and then you need prayer and I go, mm-mm. So, so the Lord had to work with me. He had, to, he had to get me to understand that, you listen, you don't let stubbornness do this because it would wreck relationships. And for some of you, that's what stubbornness has done. For some of you, you got people in your life right now you don't talk to because y'all had an argument, but you don't even remember what the argument was about. If we ask you what it was about, you, you literally can't recall. You just know it was something. And so because it was something, the stubbornness has got inside of you so that even when the Holy Spirit has prompted you to just say, you know what, just tell him you're sorry. Tell him, I ain't telling him that. I ain't forgiven. Why? Because if he can get you to get solidified in stubbornness in that area, then when he tells you to do something with your finances, you'll do the same thing. When he tells you how to parent your kids, you'll do the same thing. When he tells you to do something on your job, you'll do the same thing. He wants stubbornness to come into your life in any area he can get it into because then it gets to control other parts of your life. That's right. Often we, we, we typically give stubbornness to kids, mm. to teenagers. Mm -hmm. We go, oh, they're so stubborn. But I am a firm believer that whatever you see in abundance in your house, you can find in your heart. Come on now. Come on. Whatever you Come see on. in abundance in your house, yes. you can find in yes. your heart. Yes. When my kids are being my kids, I am never shocked by my kids being their kid, my kids. I just know that I've learned to have a little more outward self-control by some of the stuff that happens. What, what, like, uh, so in our house, we tell like people are always like, we should come hang out with you. Not if you fragile, because in right. our house, we have a lot of really truthful right. conversations, right? right? right. So the <laughs> other day, I'm talking right. to, I think it was Jordan or Canaan, but I think it was Jordan. And I'm talking about, um, like, eating right and losing weight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And as Jordan walks past me, she goes, well, all you got to do is not eat so much. And she keeps, she just, she doesn't check on me. She doesn't, she just, she just keeps going, right? She just keeps going. Cause that's what it's like. So, so when my kids are out 
and somebody says that my kid said something to them, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in our family, we have to do a lot about being kind with your words, not saying everything that you think, be but I, being a, unoff- like be unoffendable <laughs> and don't say everything you think. Right. And then divide that stuff that you decided not to say in half again. And then you get down to about 10% that you actually can say out loud. But I'm telling you, the things that you see in your kids, the stubbornness, the rebellion, the disobedience, the refusal to follow instructions. They got that from you. If you're passive aggressive, your kids will be passive aggressive. And so and so you'll be wondering why you have to always tell them to take the trash out, clean their room, do this, do this, do this. But then if you begin to stop and look at your own life, how passive aggressive are you when somebody instructs you to do something? Like when your boss email you and you act like you didn't get it. And so you just roll down to the end of the day (laughs) or even your spouse. When your spouse is asking you to do something and you say, okay, I'll do it, I'll get to it, and you don't ever get to it. Kids learn that. They're going to do much more of what they see you do than what they hear you say. And that's just the truth. Amen. So stubbornness comes from people from all walks of life, and the major problem with it is that it stops growth and it causes a bitterness that destroys the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that happen when stubborn people, especially stubborn people in a church, is that a group of people will get pliable and their life will start to be changed. And then the stubborn people, their life isn't being changed. And then you could, you could, one of the indications of stubborn people is that they start saying stuff like this. Well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, anytime you find yourself saying words yep. like that, yep. you are yep. in deception because yep. you're not doing everything you could be doing. Nobody, only Jesus is perfect. That's right. When you start saying, well, I'm, you know, you see it a lot. People will be like, um, well, they, can't, they just came to church and they got healing and I've been standing for healing. But sometimes it's the fact that you've been in church so long that you can't receive healing because you think, you know. And so when they heard the scripture for the first time, they went, oh, that's for me. I'll take that. You heard the scripture. You like, I already know it. I know it in four other translations yet. But your body ain't manifested, right? right you got to right. make sure you're not a stubborn <laughs> right. person. Right. Amen. Let's look at this scripture here. We love this scripture. You're going to take the NLT. I'll take the other one. Okay. All right. Okay. So Psalms 32, Psalms 32, verse 8 through 9. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord says... I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. He says, do not be like a senseless horse or even a mule that needs a bit or a bridle put in their mouth to keep them under control. Now, now here's what he literally says. He says, I am the Lord. He says, it is my job and my desire to guide you to the best pathway for your life. In other words, whatever I instruct you to do, it's because I'm trying to get maximum return out of your life. I want you to have an overflowing, abundant kind of life. He says, not only that, but while you're walking down that path, he said, I'll advise you, meaning I'll tell you where to go and when to go and when to stop and when to, when to go back or whatever. He says, and I will advise you along the way. So not only is God going to tell you where to go, he says, I'm going to talk to you while you're going that way. He said, all I ask is you don't act like a donkey. 
He said, do not be a senseless horse or a mule that somebody has to put a bit in their mouth or a bridle in their mouth in order to get them to do the right thing. In other words, God says, don't make me have to ride you like you a beast of burden to get you to do the right thing. Don't, don't, don't make me have to be the person who has to put. Listen, have you ever seen anybody walking their dog and the dog is so well behaved, they ain't even on a leash? They walking and as soon as they stop, the dog stop. They look this way, the dog look that way. They, they, go, they go to the car, the dog go to the car. They drink some water, the dog drink some water. I mean, you know, and when you see that, you're like, man, that, is, that dog is so smart. And the owner is so cool to have trained that dog. That is so cool. They look great together. That's what it's supposed to look like with us and God. But have you ever seen anybody who got that untrained dog? That dog is half chow, half German shepherd, half pit bull, half Rottweiler. You one of them kind of dogs, and, every, and 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 they got the dog on a leash, and every time they, they pulling the dog, the dog pulling them, they falling down, they getting wrapped around. You like that dog is so untrained, and why is that owner even got a dog? When you're disobedient, that's what the world sees about us as believers. They like they say they serve God, and they stumbling all over themselves. Listen, don't be that half breed dog who. <laughs> who can't follow instructions. The Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're supposed to be walking with, dog, walk, walking with God without a leash. His words ought to be guiding you. The Bible says his word is a light unto our, into our life and a, and, a, and a light unto our path. Listen, his word should be illuminating this path that he's talking about. He said, don't be a donkey. No, don't, don't, be a, don't be that donkey that, that has to have somebody always binding them and getting them to do the right thing. And then it says something else in the Passion Translation, right? In the Passion Translation, it says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. My God. So don't make it difficult. Mm -hmm. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Just come with me. Just come. Don't Listen, me pull you. so we went to Vegas last week and, and Chris and, and Valley had never been to Vegas. No, listen, I'm not going to talk about that part. Oh, okay. I'm going to talk about a good part. I'm not going to talk about what that part. What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. <laughs> Unless you preachers, then you tell it when you come back. Okay, and so Chris had never been to Vegas. And so Chris said to Elwin, she said, show me all the places you love. And when she went, she followed him. Now, it's interesting. I have been to Vegas before, right? So sometimes it will go this way and I will go another way, right? But Chris always was right behind Edwin following because he had seen what she hadn't seen. Some of you are trying to get to great victory and you don't even know what it looks like, but you keep jumping ahead trying to take a direction that you don't know. You've never been there before. If you've never been happily married, why would you think you know the path? If you've never had enough money, why would you think you know the path? If you've never gotten along in your family, why would you think you know the path? Stay behind the person who's been there before. God has been.
in everywhere he's trying to take you. Amen. That's good. He walked it out from yes. the beginning. He went to the end of your path. He looked. He said, it's October 7th. Here's what I need to do to get Stacy to great victory by December 31st. But Stacy can't get there if she's doing her own thing. He's walked it out. So don't make him fight you. Yes. The other day, I, I'm, I'm re-releasing re a book. And so we had worked on the book, and we had done the cover, and I released the cover. And at the end of the day, after the cover's been up all day, Kenosha calls me, and she says, you need to make two changes on your cover. Now, the first change, I was like, I can do that. The second change, I was like, ah, I don't think that's that big a deal, right? I get off the phone with her, and this is what the Lord said to me. Now, she's been teaching English. <laughs> she's an English teacher. And you're going to argue with her expertise. Just make the changes. How many times are you arguing with somebody's expertise instead of just making the changes? Just making the change. You arguing with the expertise. And literally, Lord, I just, I call, I just called her back. I said, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm fixing it. I, I sent it to the, um, to the lady. She said, I can't fix it till next week. I said, it's cool just as long as you fix it. How many times in your life is somebody trying to give you an instruction? I, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, some of you, this is the challenge with, with newfangled parenting. You may not have liked everything that your parents did, but that's everything right. they said wasn't wrong. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's really why you have more people now who have kids who can't sit still in church. Now, praise God, y'all teaching y'all kids how to sit still in church. But the reason we know how is because when we was growing up, we didn't have children's church. You got a program and an ink pen. <laughs> a program and an ink pen. And if you was real good, you got a piece of peppermint or some Wrigley's gum. And whether they was in church 30 minutes or 3 hours and 74 minutes, which is 4 hours and 14 minutes, you sat right there on that pew. And your mama didn't even sit by you. Your mama was in the choir stand and you sat by your friends, but your mama let you know all she had to do while they were singing the old rugged cross was to stop looking at the director and look over there at you. And you found your whole life. You was trained up in it. So when we tell you that your kids is bad and need to sit down, it's because they're bad and they need to sit down. And then they go to kindergarten and they get in trouble every day and they pull in gray instead of red. And you like the teachers against my kid. No, we've been telling you since your kid was two <laughs> that they are not Beyonce and they are not the center of every show. And they need to learn how to sit down and be quiet and not yes. pick over stuff in the restaurant. Yes. Put that down. <laughs> Stop smacking that gum, right. little girl. Right. Right. And everybody who was trained up like I was, even today, it ain't just your mama that can say something to you. Right. Anybody mama can tell you to be somebody that look like a mama can tell you to be quiet. So just as a parenting thing, I know you're free-spirited and you don't believe in spankings, but I would just submit to you that if you can't make them sit down with words, a ruler works good. A ruler works good. It works good. Because a lot of what people call attention deficit disorders is just a manifestation of stubbornness. Because there is, there, there is ADD. But there's also B.A.D. 
and you can you can get bad out of a kid. You can get bad out. We had we had somebody who told us that their they told us that their child had what did they have? ODD, oppositional defiant disorder. Oppositional defiance disorder. Mm -hmm. That this this is what that disorder means. That disorder means they don't follow instructions. They, they cannot follow instructions. They cannot follow instructions. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me test it. Mm -hmm. Let me test it. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't get their kid to go to school one day. So they sent their kid to my house. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're going to go to school tomorrow. They said, no, I'm not. I said, try me if you don't believe fat me greasy. Don't go to school tomorrow and see what happens. They got healed from ODD. She said, like she said, what are you going to do to me if I don't go to school? I said, you bad, baby. Try me and see. I said, I'm going to give you a saying that you don't know nothing about. But I learned it from my grandmama circa 1976. Where you show out is where, where you, you get, get woe out. out. And what God is saying to you is don't let life have to whoop you to get stubbornness out of you. He said, because I, I'm not going to whoop you, but when you leave my protection, the world is waiting to get that behind. So don't allow the world to have to spank you over and over again in order to get stubbornness out of you. Amen. Let's get on to these steps and let these people <laughs> Listen, go. One of the things, the thing you have to know about stubbornness is stubbornness seeks to harden your heart. That's what stubbornness wants to do. Stubbornness wants you to not have a pliable heart. You know, the scripture says that God says he's going to come and remove the stony heart out of us. He's going to give us a heart of flesh, meaning he's going to give us a heart that's pliable to his word. Uh, I, I, we talk about just real quick. We talk about this this thing in brain science called neuroplasticity. And basically all it means. Wait, hold on. They love to let us know he's smart. Right. Listen, come on. Tell us about it. Explain it to us. It's really important, though, because basically what it says is it, it gives you don't have a cop out to say you can't change. Because they used to tell you that once you reached adolescent, that your brain was through changing. That's not true anymore. Your brain actually changes even into adulthood. You can, re you can retrain your brain for the neurons and gray matter to fire different ways and cause a bridge to be built. So maybe you used to be stuttering. Maybe you used to not listen. Maybe you used to be disobedient. But that ain't got to be who you are. You can actually practice being obedient, practice not being stubborn. You can practice doing what God says, and it will literally transform the physiological being of your brain so that you become a non-stubborn person. But, but, but stubbornness wants to, wants to harden your heart. Why? Because if it hardens your heart, then whenever God says something to you, you it's much easier to reject it. You, you, you ever did something that you weren't supposed to do, and the first time you did it, it was real hard to do it? You, you struggled, you felt bad, you felt guilt about it. You was like, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again. But about that 15th time you did it? I mean, I mean you, you got pretty proficient. You used to feel bad for a week, now it's just a couple hours and you was good. The more you practice disobeying God, the easier it gets, the more numb you get to it. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to keep doing it enough that you get numb to it. So now you don't even care when you sin. You don't even care when you disobey God. You don't even care when you're just blatantly stubborn. Why? Because you're numb to it. And so that's the reason you have to practice not being stubborn. Amen. Because you don't want your heart to be hardened. Amen. Can we just teach the rest of this next week? Whatever you want to do. I'm going to be here. We thought I was going to be gone, but I'm going to be here. Oh. Hey, we done.
Well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you ain't said nothing but a word. Hold on. <laughs> 11.55, we out. Hold on. We want to give, but I really want to give you a chance because I do know that sometimes when you're hearing information like this, information like this can be really hard to hear. Because some of you think you were born stubborn. You weren't. You, you weren't. learned stubbornness. You learned it. And so when people start to give word like this, it literally can feel like somebody's trying to kill you. But all God is trying to do is cut away the stuff that doesn't really belong to you. There's a lot of stuff in your life that doesn't really belong to you and God wants you to get rid of it so you can walk in great victory. He wants every relationship to be good. He wants you to have more than enough money to be a blessing. He wants you to have good health. I just want to tell you this. If you eat food that makes you sick, you're stubborn. You know it's going to give you heartburn. You know it's going to put you under the bed and you're going to be cramped up in your stomach. But you would take a pill on the front end to try to manage it. That's stubbornness. If you're in a relationship and God then told you that relationship is detrimental to you, but you just determined to make it work. Because you're going to be with somebody. Because you're going to be with somebody. You can't, he can't bring along the person supposed to be with you because you're with the person who you're not supposed to be with. So I really want you to think about this and I want to give you an opportunity because next week we're going to talk about that stubbornness can be rooted in these three things. We're going to give you some steps. But here's a simple instruction. If you really want to worship God, worship is way more than singing and lifting your hands. Worship is how you interact with your boss. Worship is how you interact with your kids. Worship is the stuff that God tells you not to do and you don't do. You know, sometimes I'm in the store, and one of the ways that God has always trained me, I don't understand this, he always makes me put back stuff in the store that I didn't take. I'll be over in the food aisle, in no spaghetti sauce, and it'll be some shampoo. He'll be like, take it back. I'm like, I don't even work here. I don't even work here. But, but he's building, it's, it's pliable to yes. make me pliable. Yes. How many of you are ignoring when God tells you to reach out to somebody? Yep. When God tells you to stop and pray for somebody? When God tells you to stop and actually give that homeless person some money? Because he may not tell you to give all of them some money, but one of them, well, every once in a while, he going to be like, yeah, go ahead and let them get that $20. So it's funny, the other week me and Kana were walking in the store, there was a guy and he was like saying, um, the guy was like that he had to get to get his kid and his debit card didn't work, right? And I said, I'll bring you money. when I, He said, I've been here for an hour, all I got is $3. I said, where are you trying to go? He said, Little Rock. You can't get to Little Rock on $3, okay? So I said, I'll bring you money. And when I was... Canaan was like, why are you going to give him money? And I said, I just felt like the Lord told me to, right? So I go in the store, I get cash. I give him $20 at the same time. I'm giving him $20. This other guy's giving him $20. And she says, how do you know he's not hustling you? I was like, I don't. It ain't my job. My job is to obey God. It's not my job to know whether he's hustling me or not. So literally, I go right home. And about an hour later, Chase tells one of the kids to text me and asked me if I'll buy their McDonald's. Now, I just gave a stranger $20, right? And I felt myself getting like, what y'all could eat is some of this food here at this house. 
I, I could, you could eat this food here at this house. And as I was talking, the Lord said, so you're going to be more pliable about a stranger than your own kids? See, there are lots of things that you think is the right thing. And God is like, no, because your heart is wrong about this. Yep. Yep. Your heart is wrong about this. What happens when your kids lose something? What happens when they break something? How do you act? Yeah. And so much of that is about, really, it's about you wanting to be in control. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. Stubbornness is about control. It's about you making the final decision. And what happens in the kingdom of God is you don't get to make the final decision. At best, what you would like to do lines up with what God wants you to do. At best. At best. It's the reason that we say if God hates it, then I hate it, even if I used to love it. Because if not, you find yourself in this place where you're going to always be fighting against God. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be in the kingdom and you're going to be successful in the kingdom, you got to learn to give up control. You can't control everything in your house. You can't control everything about your kids. You can't control everything on your job. You can't control everything in church. You can't control the weather. It's so much you can't control. And so whenever we think we can, we try to grab hold to it and we try to control it. And it's that very thing that God takes. It's the, think about it. He told Adam and Eve, he said, eat from any tree. It's just one out of that all one. these trees. Just, just that one tree. And you know what became the most attractive tree in the garden? The one they weren't supposed to have. The moment God tells you not to do something, be careful how attractive it looks. It's the thing designed to pull you away from God. And destiny and victory. All so the last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity for prayer, not to come to the altar, but to call out your stubbornness and stand up. Um, but um, how many of you withhold affection from people when they injure you? Got to work on it. But absolutely. You don't want to hug. Mm -mm. Don't touch me. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. But if you don't, see, and people laugh, but I tell my truth because I don't have to hide anything from anybody and God already knows. So the areas that I have to work on, when, they get, when I'm in church and somebody call it out, I don't be caring about no, the pastor got his hand up and knife in, yeah. Whatever they call out in church, if I'm dealing with it, Lord, heal me. And somebody, it's stubbornness to sit there and not do it because you think we don't know. We already know. We, we already know, seen we it. <laughs> we know you jacked up. We just love you anyway. Because the great thing about love about God is that he takes you just yes, as, you, as are, you are, but he won't leave you how you came. That's right. That's right. That's right. He'd be like, bring all right. your raggedy That's self right. over here, okay? Right. The stubborn, the selfish, the trifling, the lying, the hoish. Bring, bring it all, all over here. Me. And I'm going to literally love the hell out of you. Yeah. I'm going to love you. I'm going to yeah. cut that stuff off yeah. of you. So don't be a person who just gets excited when we're prophesying about your new building. Yes. When we prophesying about your church and your promotion and your marriage and all of that. Be a person who gets to the point that you're like, wow, God loves me enough to see that this thing would sabotage my life. Yes. And to be like, let's interject service. Let's stop a service. And let's talk about stubbornness. Because none of you want to miss what God has for you. You're getting ready to see. 
You want to see and touch. You don't yes. want to just see yes. other people. Yes. You don't want to see other people be happily married yes. and you still just faking for photos. <laughs> you don't want to see other people really like their family and you really don't. That's true. You don't want to be staging your life. You ain't trying to sell a house. Stop staging. Let it be real. Let it be real. Listen, so I have somebody in my family that I'm challenged with. I've been challenged with them for years. When we did the forgiveness exercise, I spent a year doing the forgiveness exercise with them. Like, almost every day, they did something that caused me to need to forgive them again. And so, um, and then one of the therapy things I learned in coaching was to write somebody a letter. And you write the letter not to give it to them, but you write it until... Everything is out, right? I think I had like a 10-page letter, and every time Ellen would read it, he'd go, try again, you're not free yet. Try again, you're not free yet. So I really felt like I had got to this place where I was really free with them. And then one day the Lord said, I want you to send some money. Some what? <laughs> Did you mean M-O-N-E-Y? <laughs> Manna? Like what? <laughs> like what did you mean, Right. And then that next Sunday, Pastor Edwin said, where your heart is, it's where your treasure will be. And the Lord said, I'm trying to get you to give them money because then you'll invest your heart in them if you give them money. So then I gave them some money and they were excited. And then they asked me for some money. Now, see, that's a lot. Like I gave you some money. Like, just be happy. Don't ask me for nothing. Right. And then the Lord said, give them the money. Because <sighs> where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, your heart, your heart will be. Some of you don't have no commitment to your spouse. The reason some of you love your kids so much is because you don't put so much money in them. Right. Come on. But the reason you don't love your spouse like that, you ain't put no money on them. You ain't spent your last $20 to buy no roses. Well, all right. At least the women ought to sow the seed. I'm telling you, I'm up here trying to help you. So anyway, I gave the person the money. The next month, the Lord said, send them some money. I said, excuse me, did you miss last month? Because last month I gave them some money and then they asked me for some money. So I gave them some money and then the Lord said, and then they asked me for some more money. When they asked me for some more money, I had to go meet with my pastor. I said, listen, pastor, listen, I think I'm probably going to have to sit down for a while because this is not working for me, right? And then my pastor helped me out. He actually gave me the money to give to them. And then the Lord said, now give them the money. So the third month they asked me for some money. When I got the text, I went, ooh. And this is what the Lord said. Do you not understand we go do this till you until don't have you that don't reaction? Have that reaction. Do you not understand that I'm trying to get something reaction. out of your heart? Do you not understand that I am going to do this, that I am going to ask you for that sacrifice until you don't feel that right there? He said, that's what I want. I don't just want you to send the money. I want that right there. Some of you have learned compliance, but you've never learned submission. You've never learned sacrifice. You, you walked away from boo, but you still looking at his pictures five times every day. You've learned outward compliance, but you ain't never let him get that stuff in your heart. That's how you get victory. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. So if you like, you know what, listen, I can just admit, I just said to the Lord, I said, well, just tell me how much I'm supposed to send them every month. Because then I could budget it, right? He's like, nope. That's still about control. It's still about, it's still control. about control. 
Some of you have tried to be in control of your life so long and you so out of control. It's like the Lord told me that time we were talking. I told you that the Holy Spirit said to me, I was doing something and I didn't have the right attitude, but I was doing it outwardly. And the Holy Spirit literally said, I can do this as long as you want to do this. If you ain't never had the Lord tell you, I can do this as long as you can do this, you ain't never heard the Lord speak to you then. Because it's, it's something about trying to outlast God. Like, I'm, like I'm, I'm so entrenched. I'm going to keep doing this my own way in the Holy Spirit. Like, we can just keep doing this as long as you want to do it. We can do this the easy way. We can do this the hard way. It's, it's about control. He's like, if you want to control it, cool. I rock with you with you controlling it. And, and I'll you, help you when you get in the pit. Because you're going to get in a pit. You go and when in you a get pit. in the pit, I'll be there to lift you out and ask you the same question. You want to do this the easy way? You want to do this the hard way? And for some people, they are so entrenched in doing it the hard way. You're convinced that the next time you do it, it's going to work. Well, it didn't work the last 30 times you tried to do it your own way. What makes you think 31 is so special? You just got to give it up. You just got to yield to the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm a control freak. Help me. Okay, Lord, I, 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 I know I'm so used to doing it my own way. And watch this, because in my life, I never had anybody there to protect me. I never had anybody there to watch after me. I always had to make decisions because if I didn't, I was going to be in a bad situation. I am ready now to trust you. And for a lot of us, that's the truth. Our parents did the best they could, but they couldn't always give us everything that we needed. And so we had to become very self-sufficient. But in our self-sufficient, we forgot about the fact that God is there. So we spend all of our time trying to do everything we can to make sure everything is perfect. But we don't even ask God how to do it. And if we ask him and it's not what we already predetermined, we're like, ah, that can't be God. It's about self-control and stubbornness. And you can get it out of your life. I'm telling you, you can reject it out of your life. Just the same way you became unoffendable, you don't have to be stubborn. Because stubbornness is a choice. Even if it was thrust upon you, sin was thrust, up, was thrust upon you. You were born into sin, but you made a decision. I'm not going to be a sinner. Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. And the Bible says just like that, he took your sins away. He'll do the same thing with unforgiveness. He'll do the same thing with stubbornness. If you surrender today, today can be the last day you ever be stubborn the rest of your life. Amen. And I'll tell you this, guys. Um, some of you, two things. One, those of you who will say yes, if you'll walk this out, by December, you will feel like you grew up 15 years emotionally. Mm. 15 years. Mm. Because some of you are still stuck at 7. You're still stuck at 8. You're still stuck at wherever you got injured, wherever, wherever they didn't injured. come through. Wherever and I'm telling injured. you, yep. you literally can grow up years yep. by December. Because yep. God already know what he want to do. And he does not intend for you to go into January with the mess you're carrying right now. But it takes you saying, all right. I'll send the money, I'll give the money, I'll stop eating that, I'll say yes, I'll stop being so angry, I'll surrender. It really is just a surrender. And as a person who has struggled with always wanting to be in control or feeling the need to be in control, the thing that helped me is I, I had a phrase that I started saying, and it was very simple. It was that if God doesn't help me, I'm going to fail anyway. And, 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 and once I began to say that over and over and over and over again, it made my reliance on God so much more. It didn't matter how many degrees I had. It didn't matter how many accolades came my way. It didn't matter what promotions I got. I just started saying, no matter what, if God doesn't help me, I'm going to fail. And it, it took my reliance off of myself and the need to be in control and put it all squarely where it was supposed to be, which is on God's shoulders. 
So today you have the opportunity to break a curse, and a curse just starts with a choice. Amen. So if you know that you have struggled with self, I mean, being self-will, stubbornness, pride, being in control, stiffness, you stiff neck, you ought to just jump to your feet and be like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of trying to go my own way. I'm tired of thinking I'm smarter than I am. It's, it's that, funny. It's that whole lean not into your own, own understanding. understanding. It's so funny to me because one of the things that um, when our friends are, we have a lot of friends in ministry, obviously, and they're like, what's happening at FOC? And we was like, literally, we just pray and fast during the week, and then we go to church and do whatever the Lord tell us to do. So I was telling some of my friends about how we have all these services that have all of these different components to it, and they're like, why you do that? we like, because God said, and if God don't help us, we gonna fail anyway. We gonna fail anyway. No matter how we what? no matter how we prescribe service, if God ain't in it, we gonna fail. So like literally, we come to church sometimes. We don't know who go preach. The only person who know what's gonna happen is Chris. Know the plan of the song she gonna sing. The rest of us kind of got a framework of what we working with. <laughs> right, right. What we oh, might right. sing. The and they, songs and they we don't always know the song. The songs we might sing. Right, they might sing. But think of the level of freedom that's been able to come to some of your lives that's because right. of that. That's right. 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 So we're going to make a confession, and then I want to do something. The Lord told me to do something to honor somebody today, and then, um, and then Chris is going to come and dismiss us. Hey, we appreciate you guys hanging with us today. Um, we had a problem with the breaker, so it made it a little warm in here. But as I tell y'all, every time it get hot in here, hell is hotter. So just practice here, and so you just get it all in now. And so let's make this confession. Say, I recognize that I have struggled with stubbornness. And I repent for every time I have tried to manage my own life. Some of these lessons I learned because somebody else let me down. I forgive everybody who ever let me down. Just exhale that. I, my mama, my daddy, my the, whoever let me down, whoever should have been there, whoever should have had me. One of the hardest things for me to do, I'm good at it now, I practice. But one of the hardest things for me to do early in our marriage was admit to Edwin that I needed something. Because I was so used to getting my own stuff. And he would say to me, all you got to do is, is tell me that you need something. And I literally would be over there like, struggling because that's what I was used to because I grew up in a family that if my grandmama didn't have it we ain't have it but I'm good at it now I just be like babe give me some money amen <laughs> praise the Lord so keep going with the confession say father I want to be free from this weight I don't want to control my own life I want to live my best life. Say, Father, you know I struggle with giving up control. So I'm going to need a little help here. Pastor said a lot of help. Somebody said a lot. I'm going to need a lot of help here. So Holy Spirit, release your grace on my life to change. Say, I'm not responsible. For my whole life. All I got to do. Is hear and obey God. And he'll work it out for me. Amen. Come on and give the Lord some praise.
Have a seat right quick. I want to do this. Hey, Tanya and Rod, can y'all come sit right here? Tanya and Rod, can y'all come sit right here?